Blitz Period is a production of BNM Media and brought to you by Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. folks welcome back to the blitz period jalen ross the host here and it is a monday afternoon the day before spring practice starts which means that football is officially back in oklahoma uh the most wonderful time of the year and uh we're finally we're finally getting back to talking football brent venables met with the media today and uh talked for about 40 minutes and we covered covered a few topics that we're going to dive into he talked a lot about some defensive stuff he talked about some injuries and some philosophies and things like that. So we're going to go ahead and get into that. But uh, first, we want you guys to just make sure you go ahead and check out some of our past few episodes. We've we've done a lot of interviews. We've had a lot of guests so far on the show. We've got some pretty exciting guests uh, lined up for the future. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. But anyway, uh, getting into it now. So as I mentioned, Brent Venables met with the media today. And uh, we're going to dive a little bit into some of the injury reports that are out there first off uh first and foremost guys that will not participate in spring practice we know this for sure uh gentry williams jacob sexton and make a make way uh that's that's about it. yeah um that's not it but gentry williams we i don't know if i covered this on the podcast because i think when that happened i had already recorded an episode so i was i never got to talk about that but uh gentry williams had the episode in a workout a few weeks back. So uh, he's still been going through some tests and, and lab stuff and stuff like that. So he is not going to participate in spring ball, but he will be fine by the time the season comes, uh, Lord willing. But uh, Walter Rouse, Eric McCarty, Jason Llewellyn, Kane Helms also missing spring ball. Uh, Jason Llewellyn's been dealing with a foot issue. Jensen uh, Williams, we talked about that. Caden Helms has something going on with his knee. Uh, guys that I think like long-term, we're talking about Eric McCarty, Jacob Sexton, uh, those are two guys who have been dealing with some ACL stuff. Uh, if you guys don't remember, McCarty got hurt. I think it was during the playoffs is when he messed up his ACL. And then Sexton got messed up in the Florida State game. And uh, I was already told that he will miss the entire spring beforehand. But he is progressing fast. Brent Venable said he is uh, extremely happy with the way that he's progressed uh, as far as his timetable and everything. So he will be back by fall camp. Uh, and then Walter Rouse is recovering from an injury that he had at Stanford. He got surgery in December on his labrum, I believe, and he's still sorting that whole thing out. So um, none of these injuries besides Sexton, of course, and McCarty are injuries that are going to be season ending, if you will. And spring is always the worst time because that's when the crap happens and you get the news of like, that's the worst thing. You, there's two things you don't want to get in spring ball, especially in Oklahoma. You don't want to get an injury to a great player, to like a contributor. Like in the past, it was Theo Weiss who, um, according to Lincoln Riley, had a lower leg injury, which equaled ACL. And uh, that happened in the spring. I, th- I think that was the spring. It might have been the spring. It might have been fall camp. I can't remember which one it was. I do know it was. it wasn't during the season, though. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Jaden Hazelwood and and all, all those. But 
the worst thing you can ask for is offseason injuries and players getting arrested. Uh, so far, you've avoided one of those things, which is injuries. So, well, because because most of those injuries happened during the season. So, I mean, well, I'm I'm wrong. Uh, Llewellyn and Helms were injured in workouts, not the season, but you get the point. So, yeah, you pray that none of those two things happen again. Um, but anyway, moving on to the important stuff. So, uh, I did not mention Trace Ford. Kelvin Gilliam and Jaden Rowe will miss parts of the spring. They will not miss the entire spring, but they'll miss parts of it. So uh, tracking some things with their situations. But uh, anyway, I do want to talk a little bit about um, the uh, some new acquisitions that were made. Uh, Seth Luttrell was officially uh, was formally announced as a staff member for the uh, Sooners this season. Now, that's actually been out since like January. Uh, credit to Soonersgroup.com for reporting that first. I think they reported that in like late January and then it never went public. Uh, I didn't post it, but I knew about it. But now it's out there as Brent Venable said it. Uh, yeah, personally, I like this hire. If you guys don't know who Seth Luttrell is, Seth Luttrell was the uh, last head coach at North Texas. And he played at Oklahoma. He's from Muskogee, so he's an Oklahoma guy. Uh, he joins Matt Wells, who is also an Oklahoma guy. Those are two guys that are former head coaches. Matt Wells was not a terrible head coach. I mean, it wasn't great, but he was a he was a good head coach. Seth Luttrell was also a good coach. He did he did some really good things at uh, North Texas and at North Texas of all places. But I think his record at North Texas was like even, pretty even, forty four and forty four. But not bad. He's had some good coaching stops. Coached at Texas Tech. Uh, if my math serves me correct, he would have coached with Bill Bedenbow at Texas Tech. So there is a connection there. Uh, coached at Arizona when Mike Stoops was the head coach. So, you know, there's that. And then coached at Indiana. And I believe Kevin Wilson was in Indiana at that time. So he's been around. And and then he was at North Carolina. And now he's at North Texas. So, or now he's at Oklahoma. I'm sorry. So, uh, I think this hire is great from a perspective of, so it's an off the field role, which typically equals analyst, which typically equals he's going to be kind of a right hand for Jeff Levy because that's his specialty is offense. He obviously played running back at Oklahoma or he was a, he was a fullback or a running back one or the other, but he, he played in the backfield at Oklahoma. Let's just say that. I think this benefits Oklahoma a lot when it comes to the run game, because Again, I just mentioned Bill Beatonbow. We all know that discussion. And then Latrell, who himself was a really good player. And then you talk about this offense and we talk about Jeff Levy. That's what Jeff Levy likes to do. Jeff Levy likes to run the ball. That's his that's what he does. Excuse me. There's uh that's gonna help a lot from a run game perspective. Um might start seeing the H backs do Doing a little bit more in the run blocking game. I mean, that's what Braden Willis excelled at. That's what he's going to make a lot of money at on Sundays is is blocking. He was a great blocker, an exceptional blocker at that. Uh, so you know, Austin Stogner, Blake Smith, all those guys going to be in for a lot of work when it comes to that. So I really like that hire uh, of South Latrell. I think it's going to work out pretty good. And for Latrell, I mean, it, it, Jeff Levy. We talk about Jeff Levy being a guy who pretty soon is going to have a head coaching job. I mean. Uh, if a if a really good coaching job comes open this year, wouldn't shock me if Jeff Levy takes it. Like that's not sourced information. That's just a guess because I don't really see him being around Oklahoma for a, a super long time. 
because again, he's too good of a football coach. And again, like some, some really good job would have to open for him to do so. But assuming you have a year or two left of Jeff Levy, Seth Luttrell, I mean, I don't know if I, I've said this a million times. I don't think Brent Venables is going to follow like that little Dabo Sweeney model, which is higher from within, develop from within, like take a guy like a Seth Luttrell, who's an analyst, build him up. He becomes a position coach. Then he becomes an offensive coordinator or something like that. Like, I don't think that's going to be the case, but you never know. So, uh, and I'm not saying that Luttrell's going to be the offensive coordinator in waiting. I'm just saying, I mean, it's, this could be something that, you know, he works his way up into the staff. But again, I love the hire. I think it's going to work out really well for him. You can never have too many eyes, especially when it comes to coaching, because Brent Venables is, this is only his second season. And he's got two guys on the staff who have won some football games. So a lot of help there. But uh, anyway, getting back to more football stuff. So uh, spring practice starts tomorrow. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, probably today, because uh, we recorded an episode before this. and literally did not hear a single word. So um, the audio is working on this one. So you're probably listening to this on Tuesday as spring ball starts, but uh, top things to watch during spring ball. So if you ask me about position units, I would say offensive line, uh, the, 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 the safety room, definitely. Um, and then defensive line. That's my personal watches. As far as players go, I think I'll dive into players down the line. But for the defensive line, I think that we can admit it was a little underwhelming last year because it wasn't what we expected. I think we expected the defensive line to be – I mean, listen, we can say this about the entire team. It wasn't what we expected. And I know especially for a defensive line under Brent Venables, we were not expecting – under Brent Venables and Todd Bates, we were not expecting them to not show up as much as they did now they weren't terrible but they weren't as good as i think we advertised it um but this year you added some bodies some really good bodies i mean we talk about pj Adabari, we talk about uh marcus strong we talk about uh, uh rondo bothroy trace ford i mean i could go on four guys i expect to make noise at that spot like pre-spring depth chart give me that right now with the defensive line i'm I, i'm putting our mason thomas and Rondo Bothroyd at the ends. And I'm keeping Isaiah Coe and Jordan Kelly in the in the uh on the D line, in the interior on the interior line. Coe at three tech, obviously, Kelly at the one. Isaiah Coe had some really good moments last year. Jordan Kelly played some really good football at the end of the season last year. But I think for a our like I know I mentioned R. Mason Thomas, and people are probably like, what about Ethan Downs? What about Reggie Grimes? Listen, Arbison Thomas is not as physically impressive as those two. I mean, I can tell you that for sure. I saw Reggie Grimes in person a few weeks ago, and yeah, he's a grown man. But the talent from Arbison Thomas is too much there. I mean, he, he, he flashed a million times last season, and uh, he had his moments where he was a freshman. I mean, you, you, you remember the West Virginia game. He got a sack, and then it got called back because it was a face mask. Like, that's that's freshman stuff. It's going to happen, especially for a that, – that kind of stuff is going to happen for a defensive end because they play rough, but it's going to happen. But, I mean, this was a guy who took his first college snap in the second quarter. I think it was the second quarter. It was either the first or the second quarter uh, against UTEP last season, the first game of the season. He was getting burned early 
So kind of similar to like our guy, Danny Stutzman, who was the same way his freshman year. He was getting snaps early on. So I, I, I see our Mason Thomas putting it together a little bit more this year. Now for like Ethan down, like again, if you saw Ethan Downs and our Mason Thomas standing next to each other, you know who you would pick because you'd pick the one that's bigger, that's stronger. But for our Mason Thomas, he may not look like he's as strong, but the guy's got some some strength in that tank, okay? And then he can run. He's fast. So, his get, I mean, the way he gets off the ball, all that. I see him making a lot of noise this year. Rondell Bothroyd, too much production there, too much football played for me not to give him the nod to start because he's not just one of those guys that's like, oh, he played four years at this school, so he's going to be a good football player. He has the numbers to back it up, too. He has some. He put up some really nice uh, stats as a demon deacon at Wake Forest, and I I could see because I mean, this is a guy that Brent Venables coached against for a little bit. Now, granted, he was he was a defensive guy. He wasn't exactly like preparing to coach against Bothroyd, but he saw the guy play. So there probably was some talk going on, and Wake Forest is. I mean, it's 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 in North Carolina, so it's next door to South Carolina. So there could have been some talks going on between Venables and whoever out there. Like, yeah, man, I mean, this guy's got it. Like, he he can help you guys leadership-wise. He's got the strength. He's got the quickness. He's got this. He's got that. To where they speak very highly of him. I see him be putting up, putting in some contributions from day one. Um, now, for like a Reggie Grimes and an Ethan Downs, so two guys that uh, we talked a lot about last year and two guys that I glow about. But at the same time, I, I, I have my criticisms. I think that they just weren't put in the right position to succeed schematically last year. And I've talked about that so much. I don't think that that three down line stuff worked for them specifically. But Brent Venables made a point today that like that season, they set the standard, they set their expectations and stuff like that. So I can't really use those excuses anymore, but it's like this for the defensive line. You're going to have a lot of bodies moving on and off. Like it's not going to be as much as like the Alex Grinch days were where you had an entirely new defensive line every two snaps. It's like, you're going to see, because again, like with Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes, they may not have showed what you thought they would last year. I mean, you got me who was sitting here ready to crown Reggie Grimes as the big 12 sack leader last year. But they may not have shown what you expected, but there's too much talent there. Again, I mean, there's a lot of talent there for you not to have them on the field. So those two could be seeing a lot of rotations there. We talk about Trace Ford, who if Trace Ford can stay healthy, he can contribute a ton. P.J. Adabare, I mean, I see P.J. Adabare being this year's R. Mason Thomas, the guy who comes in early on and makes an impact. P.J. Adabare is a big dude, okay? Like, you can see it on camera, but in person, he's even bigger. So, there's that. But, and I mean big is term in terms of, like, height. Now, as far as, like, the arms and stuff, it's getting there. But, I mean, I, just look at this. Look at the NFL Combine. His brother had one of the best performances of any player at the NFL Combine this year i know i'm a known nfl combine hater but he was exceptional and he's gonna go make some money in the pros shout out to his brother by the way he is a known supporter of sooner sports daily so we appreciate him for that and we hope he does go make a lot of money but um no again it, it, it it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as far as as far as uh the offensive line it's really hard to piece together 
because uh, it's a little bit hard to piece to piece together because you can't really do it with Bill Beatenbow because Bill Beatenbow is not the one that's going to have like his depth chart filled out for the season. Like it's going to be, and I mean, most coaches are like that anyway, but like you, you have the best practice that week. You're going to start. Could be a reason why you saw guys like Wanya Morris didn't really start a lot. So they're like, not he started, but you would see times where he wasn't out there on the first snap and, and stuff like that. Uh, anyway, I think your dream case, this is where it hits you with Jacob Sexton and Walter Rouse being out because those two are guys that are going to probably battle battle it out at the the tackle spots, but more specifically left tackle because Tyler Guyton has been putting in work at right tackle. So too much there for me to say that he won't be the guy there. When those two get healthy, I would probably give the nod to Rouse because Rouse has played a lot of football. Rouse has not only played a lot of football, but he's played some really good football. I mean, I told you guys already, I talked to somebody who told me that those coaches believe once he puts it all together, he he'll be he'll 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 be a first round guy. Like they think the talent's there for him. He's also a really freaking smart guy. Now, for offensive line, you have to be smart. Like really for any football position, you have to be smart. But offensive line, that's where a lot of the smart guys are. They're not just these dummies. That like you know people in these movies they betray offensive linemen and linebackers as dummies, but those two typically can be the start smartest guys on the field. Like they got to be. For Walter Rouse, it works for him. He's extremely smart, like off the field. So I mean, the, the guy went to Stanford. Like you guys know what the Stanford education is like. So I mean, you know, there's that. But and got his degree from Stanford by the way too. So like he wasn't just in the club. He was he was in the VIP section of the club. So uh, anyway, I would give the nod to him there. But again, Jacob Sexton. I mean, Jacob Sexton is too talented, too talented not to play. Uh, left guard spot, McCabe Matoyer, I think, has got to really pick it up this year. No question about that. I mean, I've talked a lot about that already. But that's another guy who's played a lot of football and played too much football to not have been as good as he should have been last year. Uh, I think I said that right. Center, Andrew Ray. Um, I, I mean, I don't have a question about that, but Joshua Bates can push him. He can push him, uh, at the, at the right guard spot. We're talking about a Caleb Schaefer, the transfer from Miami. I almost said Miami, uh, from Miami, Ohio. Uh, and then Tyler Guyton at the right, right title spot, but Jacob Taylor as well. Like it's another name, Caden Green coming in, Logan Howland coming in. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch how that shapes out. And offensive line is a big area of improvement for this offseason. There's no question about that because that was a thing that made you want to pull your hair out last year. And they were now, and I know I just kind of messed up too. I say Caleb Schaefer at the right guard spot, but I left out Savion Bird. Now, Savion Bird, I think when it comes together for him, will be really freaking good. He's already good. We saw the Florida State game, he played well that game. His thing is, like he's scrappy, but he can be a little too scrappy in the sense of he's going to get you some flags. Now, I know a lot of O-line coaches that will say, like, if you ain't if you ain't trying to get a penalty, you ain't playing hard enough, which is like you should be mauling the crap out of somebody to where the ref has to say. Is that a hold? The refs have to question if it's a hold or whatever. Now, don't get false starts, but like if they have to question if you're doing something illegal, 
to another man, pause, um, then you're playing good football. So Savion Bird, if he can clean up the penalties, he will. But once once he does, I think I also might give him some love at one of those guard spots because if McKay Batoria doesn't get done, then he has to play there. Caleb Schaefer, I really don't know much about him from a from a ball playing standpoint, which is why it's interesting to watch because I want to see what he what his game is like. Because nobody watches Miami of Ohio football. So uh to 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 see what his game is like. I mean, he's he's a big dude. Like he's huge. He, I mean, literally, dude weighs like three hundred something pounds. So, uh, I mean, guy's a mountain. He can just stand there and have a hard time. And I mean, not not him, but like he can just stand there, and the guy across from him will have a hard time getting back there. So, uh, whatever his technique and all this stuff, whatever all that O line speak, you guys love to talk about technique, footwork, all that. Once all that stuff is is good for him, then we'll see what happens there. But it's going to be an interesting spot to watch. Uh, the secondary. Uh, more specifically, really safeties. I talk a little bit about. Um, I talk a little bit about. You know, you bring. I mean, you're bringing in additions of Reggie Pearson, who uh, we haven't really talked much about on here. We've talked a lot about Peyton Bowen, and then you've got Key Lawrence and Billy Bowman down. Now, the thing to me on the defensive side of the ball, I think that like Billy Bowman is the, by the way, I want to make this point real quick. Well, I'll make the point after I say this actually, because it, it ties into what I'm getting ready to say, but Billy Bowman, uh, it, I mean, he's without a guy, without a doubt, the guy on this defense, uh, he is, he was the best player defensively last year. I think that that's a given, but he is the only guy that really has a spot locked up in safety because I think Key Lawrence has got to find a level of consistency. And like Key Lawrence is good. I don't want to act like he's bad. That's not the case at all. He's a really good player. He's just got to find a level of consistency. I think that Key Lawrence can get in the air and fight for a football. Like for the secondary, that's what you're looking for. You need guys to who are not afraid to get up in the air and fight somebody and say, I want this MF involved more than you do. Cause you've lacked that over the years. Now I'll give the credit to this. Like one of the shining stars when, uh, when, when some of the worst OU football defenses were out there were Parnell Motley was that way. Parnell Motley could fight anybody for the football guy gave Jamar chase trouble and the, in that peach bowl. And then Justin Jefferson happened, but he gave the Belitnikoff winner trouble. So, I mean, you have guys like that, but you need more guys like that in your secondary. You're talking about guys like a Reggie Pearson who can be that way. He's a, he's a very physical player, as we know. Key Lawrence can be that way at times. I think Josiah Wagner can be that way. He's a very scrappy football player. Makari Vickers, I mean, I can go on. For um, As far as safety goes, I think that someone like a, a Reggie Pearson you want to know if he's more than just that hit on Eric Gray and Dylan Gabriel. Like, can he be, because we, we've talked so much about safety play at OU and how it has sucked since probably the last safety you might've had that was like really worth something. Now you've had some good safety, like Stephen Parker was good. Amon Thomas was good. And Trey Norwood was good. But like the last safety that was like a pro, like a safety who all conference type level player, 
maybe a Tony Jefferson. I don't know if Tony Jefferson was ever all Big 12, but I know he was really good, and he made some money in the NFL. He still is. So, and he went undrafted, too. But, I mean, he he's made some some pretty good paychecks in the NFL playing safety. So, and so I mean, that's like the last guy you had that was like, you trusted him back there. Gone are the days of Khalil Hawtons and... I don't want to throw a straight at like Robert Barnes or something, but there's improvement there. And I think for like Key Lawrence, like I said, find a level of consistently consistency for Lawrence. Peyton Bowen, I really don't know if Bowen will be like just uh, I know we we talked so much about him and he's very talented. Like if Peyton Bowen truly is like the next Tyron Matthew, then sure. But I don't know if he's a guy that's going to get a lot of rent. I mean, he'll play, but I don't know if he's going to be a guy that's like just he's getting rapid, meaningful snaps because there's a lot of experience in front of him. Like we talk about Roman and we talk about key. We talk about Reggie Pearson. There's a lot of there's a lot of football that's been played at this level more than he has. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I still think that Bowen is like. Without question, one of the top players that you're listening for in the spring to see how he's doing. But I think this, like I know people will ask, and this this ties into my point about the entire, really the entire roster, to be honest. But people talked about like the offensive line because you noticed I forgot that Savion Bird was on the team because I was mentioning other guys. They brought in so much through the portal. People would ask, like, and I know some of you asked me this. Do you think that they're going to run some guys off or they're going to do this? They're going to do that. Listen, you need competition more than you need anything. Well, actually, you need to win football games more than you need anything. But you need competition on top of that, though, because that's what you've lacked. Like, that's when it comes to my point about Walter Rouse and Jacob Sexton. Once those two get healthy, they're going to duke it out for a spot at tackle. Uh, McKay Matoya and Savion Byrne, they're going to duke it out for a spot at tackle. And Caleb Schaefer. You need to have, you have to create a mentality. And that's what Brent Venable spent the entire year last year doing. And that's why they sucked because they weren't used to his mentality. His mentality was a little bit different. It, like I said, I said this on Instagram. It went from country club to, uh, uh, what did I say? I said like country club to uh, to to hard nose. Or something. I don't remember what I said. I basically said it went from country club to not soft. It was a mentality that's like, we don't work for what we get. We're going to do all this. You need to have a mentality within your football program, especially in the trenches, especially in the secondary. You need to have a mentality within your football program that every time you come to practice, your job is not safe. Outside of Dylan Gabriel and Billy Bowman, I think those are the only two people that aren't going to have to like something dramatic would have to happen for those two not to play, especially Dylan Gabriel. But those are the only two players I think, well, okay, take that back. Dylan Gabriel, Billy Bowman, and Woody Washington. Probably the only three guys on this roster who are not going to have to, are the only three that won't really have to be like, okay, I'm fighting for my freaking life in practice. Like everybody else is going to have to come in with a mentality of, and I know, I know, Dylan will. I mean, you've got a five-star quarterback behind you, a guy that people are ready to crown the second coming of Christ. Like, yeah, you are. But in reality, he's not losing his job. So 
everybody else is going to have to fight for their spot. You need to create a mentality that every time you hit that practice field, your job's not safe. That's what you need. So for somebody like for someone like a Jacob Sexton, if he knows he's sucking, Bill Beatonbow will snatch him out in a second and put Walter Rouse in, right? Same for the guards. Matoyer sucks, Bird comes in. Bird sucks, Schaefer comes in. It all shifts. Rain sucks. Bates comes in. You have got to have some bodies because a big point of discussion last year was people would come on Twitter and message boards and all that. And they would say, get this guy out of the game. This guy sucks. He needs to go. Well, you don't have anybody better behind him. Like and that was, that was especially on defense. You want Danny Stutzman to get benched, but who are you going to put in? Like, cause, cause you can't say Jaron Canick, Jaron Canick's right next to him. So you, you, I mean, look, Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie, talented players, but they had to, they, there's a reason they redshirted last year. They don't know what they don't know. And at that time, they didn't know how to do this stuff yet. You can't just go replacing that. You got to have the right bodies. And not only do you have to have bodies, you have to have bodies that, one, know what they're doing. Two, can produce for you. That's where that comes from. And I know Brent talked about, and we've talked about this since Brent got hired, how the portal's not really going to be like, like years like this year are not going to be what you see every year in the Brent Venables. You're not going to see these years where they go into the portal and they just nab everybody and their dog. Now they can go get, they're going to go get a few guys. They're going to go get, you know, if there's a player in there that they, that, that's like, they need experience at that position, they'll do it. But Brent said, like you, you build your program through recruiting. You build your program through recruiting and development. And he's like, we, we got to make sure we're developing the guys that we have now. And that's the basis of this program. We don't want to have to go portal diving every year. Now, again, you'll do it because every once in a while, you will have a Jameer Gibbs at Alabama. You might have a Jamison Williams at Alabama. You might have a, <coughs> excuse me, you might have a, um, I know I'm missing some. I mean, you ain't going to have another Joe Burrow, but you might have those moments where like there's one or two players in the portal that will come in and change your team overnight. You can You can do that. But it's not going to happen every year where you're just going in, you're getting 20, 21 guys from the transfer portal. Because I think the number, I can't remember the exact number of guys, but it was a lot. So stuff like that's going to happen. But um, again, back to my secondary stuff. So uh, I talk, so I talk about one, I talk about players to watch. And that's an interesting topic because if you had to give me like three or five players of three or five names, I think that you'll hear a lot. I'll tell you five names I want to hear. Want to hear Jackson Arnold. Want to hear Peyton Bowen. Want to hear PJ. Definitely want to hear Phil Pachotti. I think I want to hear how he's doing. Uh, and then Josiah. Wagner. You know, I, I the fifth spot's interesting because I think Josiah Wagner. Now, I don't know if Wagner's going to be a guy that like just comes in and, and, and raises hell from day one. But, like, if you looked at Josiah Wagner, you wouldn't say, holy crap, that guy's going to be a contributor. But when you watch the tape, all the proof is there. You talk about guys that can hit, that can knock the snows out of your nose, the snows, knock the snot out of your nose. (laughs) Josiah Wagner's one of those. And like, that's what you need, man. Like I talk so much about how you need a dog on defense. You need a, you need a, you need a nasty SOB who 
just does has no regard for human life. But then you, you need an entire defense full of those. And Josiah Wagner can bring that for you. Um, love this tape. Love this tape. Uh, Macari Vickers had an exceptional. Was exceptional at the. Uh, I think it was the. Was it the All American Bowl? I think is the one which. That was the one he went to. Uh, he was exceptional down there, and I, I'm pretty sure Josiah played in that game too. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I didn't even mention Kendall Dolby as being a guy that, like, you talk about guys opposite of Woody Washington. Kendall Dolby's probably that next one. Uh, I mean, has college experience. Granted, it was the JUCO level, but he's played the sport, been really good at it when he's played. Uh, he's another one of those guys that's a hitter. He can get up in the air and get the ball. So I, I would I could see that being the case. But I really think like for this spring, you want to hear more glowing stuff about the defense more than anything, because that's what's going to carry you to that next step, because the offense is going to take care of itself. It'll be fine. It's not it's not going to be a problem. But here's the thing about that, though. Like last year, you saw the <laughs> It's been a thing with OU football for the past, I don't know how many years. Like, you've always had a great offense and a defense that lost you football games. Last year, you had that in some in some cases. You had an offense that was putting up 600, 700 yards a night and still had people wanting to fire the, the, the coordinator and bench the quarterback. But anyway, uh, putting up 600, 700 total yards a game, but lost the games because you had a defense that crumbled when it mattered. Crumbled when it got to nut cutting time. Texas Tech, for instance, Baylor. Uh, I mean, goodness, give me some, give me some. I, I don't know if I should say West Virginia because the offense wasn't really clicking that game. Granted, the conditions were terrible, but still. Um, I mean, I could, I, I, you get the point. Like. You need to play complimentary football, and OU hasn't done that in a while. So if you match that 700 yards of offense with two corners that can lock up their side, uh, some safeties that won't get beat deep when it matters, and some linebackers that can tackle, you'll be just fine. So, oh, you know, we'll see how things progress there. But um, getting into some offensive stuff just for a quick second. Um, I'm interested to see what happens at running back because I think running back, like running back is going to be a position where they're moving bodies. They're not going to be, I don't think there's going to be like a true starter. Well, there will be a starter, but like a guy that's like, this is the guy and nobody else. There won't be, there won't really be anybody like that. But I will tell you that if you had to make me pick between like a feature back if it's Javante Barnes, if it's Gavin Sawchuk, I have a hard time with that because now Barnes has proven himself. He's proven he can play. Gavin Sawchuk has too. He just hasn't played as much. And the short time that Gavin Sawchuk played, he looked exceptional against Florida State. Sawchuk is, I think, if the numbers serve me correctly, he ran the second fastest 40. I think that was the case. I can't remember because this was all the way back in like December, January. I think he ran the fa- the second fastest 40 on the team. We already knew the speed was there for Sawchuk. No, no question. 
reminds me a lot of Rodney Anderson. It's not just because he's a light-skinned running back, but his talent is actually there. He's a, a scrappy player. Uh, you know, I mean, Javante, <laughs> that's a one-two punch for sure. I mean, and then I look at guys like Dalen Smothers, who Smothers, I've said already, I think gets some burnt at some point this year. He, and not just like garbage time minutes, he might be this year's Javante Barnes, who was the guy, the freshman you heard about throughout the offseason. And then you saw what the hype was about. I see it happening for Smothers. He's a great player. Caleb Hicks is a guy that's there. Emeka Megway, once he gets healthy, Chapman McCown, a new, uh, one of the, one of the uh, newest signees. So, You've got some nice, some nice depth there. A lot of talent. You lost a lot of yardage, like with Eric Gray, lost some leadership. So it's a pretty unruly. I mean, Marcus Major, same way, but you know, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting to watch at that point. Uh, tight end Austin Stogner. We we have no question about that. At the receiver, it's a little it's a little interesting because of. How things go with Jalil Farouk. Like Jalil Farouk, can he be a true number one? That's what you're going to ask yourself this year. What can Andrew Anthony do? Because all I've heard from Michigan fans is that they were triggered that he wasn't used that much. And they were mad that he left because they thought that he should have been used more in the offense. They thought he was going to have a big year this year. They were upset that he was leaving. So that tells me. That and I mean, even in the like in the little time he's played, he's done well. But like, it's can he be a key contributor to this team? Can he be the guy opposite of Farouk? Can like can these two put together a a, a D.D. Westbrook? D.D. No, not a D.D. Westbrook. Can these two put together a Hollywood CD year, uh, a, a year where each guy gets a thousand? Like, can that happen? Who knows? I don't know if they have that in them. We'll see. But talent's there. I mean, uh, Brent talked to. I'm sorry, Coach Venables talked a lot about uh, J.J. Hester. He spoke a lot about him. Hester's the guy that was battling some injuries last year, but he's a really talented player. Uh, played one of the best state championship games I've ever seen when he was in high school, by the way. But um, Nick Anderson, going to be interesting to see. I mean, we haven't really gotten to see much from him. Uh, in the little time that we did, he had a good play against Florida State. Uh, Gavin Freeman, we all know Gavin Freeman can play some football. There's no question about that. Uh, Jaden Gibson, I mean, can Jaden Gibson like can he get the can he get it get his head tight on his shoulders? We'll see. Because I know a big thing that people talked about with Gibson last year was well, he was having some problems catching the ball and stuff like that. And once that all comes together, like I think once it all comes together for Gibson, it's impossible for him not to be great. He's got the size, he's got the talent, but it's all about the mentality, and it's going to be interesting to see how that all goes. But that's going to be an interesting position to watch. I mean, and then you're talking about guys like Keon Brown and Quasi Petaway who won't be here until the summer. But you know, I think right now, just for the spring, big thing you want to hear is you want to hear how the defense is doing. You want to hear how are things progressing there. Brent Venables talked a lot about it today. Spoke highly of them. Said that he expects them to be on another planet defensively. That's literally what he said. Which tells me that things are progressing because Brent Brent is not a sunshine pumper, that's for sure. He will he will straight up tell you the truth. I mean, a few weeks ago he said something like, What did he I can't remember the quote? He said something basically, he just completely did not care when he said something about 
the secondary. He talked about he said something like we lost we lost something, but we didn't lose a lot of production. It was I I don't know. It was something that was the truth, to be honest. But it was just something that you haven't really heard, like an OU head coach say in a minute. So, um, you know, Brent Brent don't sunshine pump like we do. He'll straight up tell you. So if the defense was sucking, you would have heard. I hope that we're doing this. I hope we're getting better. But he, he I mean, he straight up mentioned like defense has gotten better. They're 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 progressing. And uh, as much as many meetings as those guys have, that that that's really the truth. So uh, we'll see. I mean, and it, it does look like Brent is kind of taking on more of a uh, taking on more of a, a responsibility with the defense because I know he was a little hands off to begin. But he's getting back into it. Uh, by the way, Jim Leonard will be at Oklahoma in like three weeks. Uh, not for an interview, but he's speaking at a coaching clinic that's at the University of Oklahoma. So uh, if y'all want to kidnap Jim Leonard and keep him in the host, keep him in the closet and get his OU gear, that is completely fine with me. But, you know, anyway, uh, Jim Leonard, by the way, for those who don't know, a former defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, exceptional football coach. Uh, would be a home run higher if that happened. But anyway, it won't happen. But still, I'm just talking. Dan Mullen will be here too. And if you've been following the page for a while, you know I can't stand Dan Mullen. So, uh, yeah, there's that. But anyway, uh, that's about all I got for today. Um, I know uh, I'm going to think about some stuff as soon as this episode is over. You'll be like, dang, I should have talked about that because I do that every week. But uh, no, that's about all we got today. Uh, make sure you guys go follow the uh, Instagram account, Jalen M. Ross. Follow me on Twitter at Jalen Ross. Follow the podcast homes, which are at the Blitz Period on Twitter and Insta. Uh, that's where we'll post like the up episodes and then guests and all that. As I mentioned in the beginning, we are working on some guests. Uh, we're working on one guest right now who I think y'all will like. Uh, it's impossible for you not to if you're an OU football fan. If you're a college football fan in general, like this is this is a pretty freaking good guest. Guy, legendary, legendary man in the state of Oklahoma. Really legendary man. He's a Hall of Famer. He's all that. It's not Bob Stoops, I'll say that. But uh, he is a Hall of Famer. He's he's a great. So we're working on that right now. We kind of got confirmation, but we're gonna continue to work on that. And then even we're going into some other sports as well. And had some conversations with some coaches from other sports to get them involved with the movement. So um, we'll keep you updated on how those things go. But man, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you guys uh, leave a uh, a uh, what's what's it called? The podcasting a rating. I almost said leave a like. You can't do that on podcast, but leave a rating, leave a review, do all that good stuff. Share the podcast. Go listen to some of the past episodes. Um, interview with Jackson Oliver from back in November. For you guys that think that Jackson Arnold's going to come in and like be the starter after spring practice, like go listen to that interview. Okay, it was fun. The third episode, I think, second or third episode of this podcast, go watch, go listen to it. Uh, we got some interviews with some former players and stuff like that. So make sure you guys go check out the past episodes. Some great content there. Uh, we're going to continue to do as much as we can. I will do what I can as far as getting updates for spring ball and stuff like that, and talk about them on here because I don't know if I can say much on social media. So. Uh, make sure you guys are keeping up. Follow us on the social media accounts, and we'll see you guys next week.
Thank you for listening to The Blitz Period with Jalen Ross, presented by BNM Media and Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter.